You like your friends, but you love your whopper. Oh, I don't know. Sacrifice 10 of your fair weather web friends for a whopper? I think not. I think not. I'm not actually a Burger King guy. I think I maybe have gone 10 times. Anyone gone less than 10 times to Burger King? In your like whole life? All right, there you got a few of there out there. How many have gone like a lot? Ooh, I just have to do this. McDonald's, Burger King. McDonald's, a few. Burger King, oh, this is terrible. All right, well, we, we digress a little bit. So anyway, so, you know, friendship is stronger or strong, but Whopper is stronger was their deal. This happened about uh, back in 2010, 29, uh, 2009. They did this, and they actually had to shut it down. Uh, Burger King was on the hook for 23,000 Whoppers, free ones. And so it was going well, and Facebook didn't like actually people getting off Facebook. So they shut it down. But I'm not, a, again, like I said, I'm not much of a, a Burger King guy. I'm a Amato's guy. And I don't know if you've ever been to the state of Maine, sometimes a little bit in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, but there is a sandwich called the Real Italian. I would sacrifice all of you <laughs> for that. And then you add some Humpty Dumpty potato chips. You ever had Humpty Dumpty potato chips? Oh, it's a main thing, Scarborough, Maine. And then you add something else, which I actually don't really care for, but it's a main thing. Moxie, you ever had Moxie? You don't know what that is? Yeah, stay away from it. It's like an 1890 soda when they were trying to figure it out. It tastes like cough medicine. <laughs> I think my dad remembers when they came out with that. And then also on top of this, you know, you get a whoopie pie. And right now you can actually order from Amato's all this stuff and it will come to you. They'll send you the sandwich and it's, people are buying them all over the country, sending them to like Washington State because these are so good. So, yes, I would sacrifice Sarah, Hannah, Mariah, Cindy for uh, an Amato's uh, sandwich. Probably not, but boy, wow, it shows you where, you know, my allegiances are. So anyway, so we're uh, obviously talking about friendship, and we're talking about the value of friendship, and we're looking at David and Jonathan and how they interact. And so we've been, you know, it's been around the edges. Last week we talked a little bit more about it. We didn't finish it, and I hope you had a chance to read the chapter, read chapter 20. And uh, so I'm going to kind of just give highlights as we go through because it's 42 verses. But you, we see the dynamic between David and Jonathan. Uh, we see that uh, Jonathan is losing out, losing out big time because he's the crown prince. He's supposed to be the next king. And David's been anointed and Jonathan doesn't seem to have a problem with that. He actually supports it. Because David and Jonathan are friends for first. And uh, what's also interesting is there's no indication besides who Jonathan's father is, why Jonathan isn't qualified to be king. He seems to be like a good king. Early on in the rule, he does some, some um, you know, battle campaigns and 
takes a step of, of uh, faith and all of that kind of thing, and uh, he's a good man. But yet you got these two guys, uh, and they are best of friends, even though the situation normally would cause them to be arch enemies. And at the end of chapter 20, we read this of 1 Samuel, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. So these guys are cemented. We talked a little bit about some extra stuff last week. I encourage you to take a look at that. Last week we got into the idea of deciding on your commitments when it comes to friendship. And uh, we need to do that. We need to decide on your commitment of friendship. And uh, it takes work. It takes energy. It takes loyalty. It takes a lot of things. And if you really are going to have a solid friendship, not a Facebook friendship, but a real, true friendship, uh, you need to decide on that. How committed are you going to be? And in our day and age, they have some value, but not as much value, and that's indicated by our actions. It's indicated by how we step in and how we stay there for friends. And we're not going to have 50 of these kinds of people, but we ought to have a few. And if we're a Christ follower, that inner circle ought to be Christ followers, so we're rowing in the same direction. Yet when I say that, the mistake many Christ followers make is their circle gets smaller and smaller, and they just have Christian friends. Uh, we need to be out there. We need to be meeting people, pointing to them. We just talked about the name of Jesus over everything, over our friends. And the way, only way many of those people out there are going to hear about Jesus is by your interaction in their world. That's why we have difference maker partners around the world, because we think it's so important that we financially back people to be in other places because we want other people to hear about Jesus. That's why we're so important about being here is so other people can hear. Uh, we all are to be difference makers in the worlds we travel. So last week, uh, you can download, you can look at last week's message. The message guy is there also, so you can take a look at that, so you can uh, just uh, figure those kinds of things out that we're kind of skipping over this week. So you've got this idea of deciding, and then it's obvious we need to act on your commitment of friendship. You need to put it into action. We need to, it, it's going to cost us something. Jonathan, it cost his relationship with his father because his father was in the wrong. His father actually, we read last week, tries to run Jonathan through tries to run David through. He's just unstable. The more he uh, lives his life apart from God, the crazier he gets. And for those of us who have known the Savior, those of us who have said yes to Christ, we need to be leaning towards him. The minute you and I start leaning away, um, things start to just spin out of control internally because we're living in tension. 
If you and I believe that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, one of the Trinity, very hard concept to understand. I don't know if you can completely understand it, but one of the persons of God, the Holy Spirit comes and joins your life when you say yes to Jesus, then he's with you and there's tension because he's trying to lead you in one direction and you're trying to go in another direction. And sometimes you and I will uh, silence that by turning the volume of life up, getting involved in other things, avoiding uh, a spiritual input. But that's got to inform our commitment of friendship. So we act on our friendship. And when I think of two guys that are just solid friends, you know, you've got David and Jonathan, and then you've got Steve and Bucky. Sometimes I think you like getting punched. Well, last night. I gotta get you cleaned up. Why? Where are we going? The future. Don't do anything stupid until I get back. How can I? I'm taking all the stupid with you. Don't win the war till I get there. It's, it's me. It's Steve. Steve. Come on. Steve. I thought you were dead. Oh, you were smaller. You ready to follow Captain America into the jaws of death? That little guy from Brooklyn, I was too dumb not to run away from a fight. I'm following him. Oh, you're keeping the outfit, right? You know what? It's kind of growing on me. Remember when I made you ride the cyclone at Coney Island? Yeah, and I threw up? This isn't payback, is it? Now, why would I do that? Lucky? Because I'm with you to the end of the my stable hundred-year-old man. How you been, Buck? Uh, not bad. For the end of the world. Steve? Don't do anything stupid till I get back. How can I? You're taking all the stupid with you. With you to the end of the line. Very emotional scripture. But those guys are bonded together. One time, one, Bucky was kind of the hero guy in their relationship. Then it flips, flips again, flips again. But the guys are together. Even when one walks out on the other, the other person is with him to the end. That scene where Captain America and Steve is all busted up is because he's trying to uh, turn Bucky to the right side, and he's with him to the end. And we need to have friends that are with us to the end. And a part of acting on your commitment of friendship is watching out for each other. It sounds so elementary, and it really is elementary, but how do you and I watch out for each other? Do we have friends that we go to the wall for? Uh, are we observant? Uh, do we anticipate their need rather than them coming to us with a need? The other night I was at an event and there was a couple people that just instinctively stepped up and started taking care of things helping pull things together, 
and uh, they didn't need to be asked. They were watching over the scene that was unfolding, and they were just there. And when it comes to our friends, do we watch over each other? Uh, Jonathan and David. Jonathan is watching over David. They come up with a plan uh, to find out what Saul really thinks. Uh, Saul uh, is just off the rails. Saul tries to, again, stick a spear through uh, Jonathan because he even brings it up. And uh, he realizes that uh, Saul is going to his dad is just unreasonably after David, even though David uh, did nothing wrong and actually helped keep the kingdom secure. And so Jonathan and David watch over each other. And as we wind down the story, as we see years later, we're going to see that David watches over Jonathan, watches over Jonathan's family. So when you and I have friends, when we're friends, we need to watch over them. We read in Galatians 6, 2, share, help each other, carry each other burdens, even stoop down and reach out. So live out the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is to love God and to love others. The way you show you love God is by loving others. You can't love God without loving others. And that means acting on that love in general, but it also means acting on that love when you have a friend. I love the little descriptions from the different translations, share each other's barriers, carry each other's barriers together. I remember one time uh, Cindy and I were uh, backpacking with a group of teenagers, and uh, we were going up Mount Washington, and it was one of the hottest uh, days of the summer, and usually when you're on Mount Washington, usually it was 10, 15, 20 degrees cooler, but it wasn't. It was 80 on the, on the trail up, and uh, Cindy was not having fun with her backpack, so I, uh, I carried her backpack. I put it on top of mine, so mine went from 60 to 85 pounds, and all the kids wanted to help, but I didn't want them to help. I kind of wanted to be the man, you know, and by the time we got to the campsite, my legs were shaking. Uh, I mean, just, you know, shaking. And uh, I did not, I shared Cindy's burden, but I wouldn't share it with the kids. I don't know, it was 10, 15 of them. If we had taken stuff, we could have done it, so my backpack would have stayed the same weight. But I refused to do that. You and I as friends need to have a give and take. We need to share. We need to let people bless us as we bless others. And it's got to be a two-way street, as we talked a little bit about last week, that mutual love. So we help, we care, we carry each other's burdens. We even stoop down when they're in a bad place and they've gone lower in a sense, then we go with them. We step down and reach out. We don't wait for them to reach towards us. We initiate. And so we live out that law of Christ, the idea of loving one another. We also have this idea of speaking up for each other. Speaking up for each other. Of course, our dear friends, we speak up for them. And, and Jonathan does this for David. He brings it up to his father, Saul. Uh, he, Jonathan is optimistic. He's hopeful that his father isn't going to be after David. And uh, he hopes, he looks at the accounts of David, and it just doesn't make sense to him. But when his father gets irritated, he just doesn't speak up once. He continues. He's done it a couple times. 
And you and I need to speak up for each other, speak up for our friends. We need to give them the benefit of the doubt. I would even say give people that are modestly friends or acquaintances, give them the benefit of the doubt. When some crazy thing comes up, that doesn't sound like them. That's why it surprises me. No, it doesn't sound like them. Give them the benefit of Eventually, if it's true, it will come out, and maybe you need to step alongside that person and help them. Last week, we talked about speaking into their lives. But speak up for each other. Uh, we are such suspects these days. We're so critical. Uh, if, if there's a possibility that something is off, we kind of jump on it. And we can even do that for our friends. Jonathan, Jonathan doesn't do that. You know, I, I've told you this before, but uh, I can remember somebody getting on, on somebody's case about something and turning the conversation around because I at least know one thing that was good about their person. And I turned the conversation around. That person never brought it up again because they just wanted to trash talk the person. Now, now, again, that's not sweeping stuff under the rug, but it's different trash talking somebody. So speaking up for each other, and we see this, and we see Saul is angry at it. He, he, his anger flares up at Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. And we talked about it earlier that uh, in the original language, that means, says words that I really wouldn't say in mixed company. That he's saying uh, really is on him. Uh, because again, he is fearful. He wants Jonathan to be the next king. And he knows what's going to happen. And he's just besides himself. He can't get that Jonathan and David have such a close friendship. And maybe some of it, too, is that, uh, that Saul never had experienced that, so he didn't understand it. So again, this speaking up. In Proverbs, we read, stand up for what you know is right and judge all people fairly. Protect the rights of the poor and those who need help. It's amazing when someone is on the way out of of popularity or we've watched cancel culture and it's it's just way over the top those people need help uh, sometimes when someone's trash talking someone and it's like four degrees away they don't even know them i say so so where are you getting your information from then well so and so and so i said it's not firsthand information that, that how can you how can you make those calls on that person so standing up also, this means caring deeply. The idea of it costs you something. <laughs> For Jonathan, again, it nearly cost him his life. It cost him a separation between him and his father. But you notice that he conti continually still respects his father. He walks this fine line because when he dies, uh, he dies with his father. He dies with his brothers. They're on the battlefield fighting the Philistines. And so it would have been very easy for Jonathan to have just said, I'm done, I'm going to go off with uh, David. Or, or it would have been very easy for Jonathan to have said, you throw a spear at me, I'm going to throw a spear at you, and I'll become the next king. Those things happen, but he doesn't do that. So, but this idea of caring deeply for your friend when it costs you. Uh, love is to be costly at times, unconditional love. Most importantly of all, love each other deeply because love makes you willing to forgive many sins. If 
blows my mind when I see it in other people's lives, and I have to see it in my own life, when people play favorites. When they're on somebody because they don't like him or her, and then the another person's kind of doing the same thing, and they don't, it's like it's not happening. It's absolutely because they like one person and they don't like the other person. The activity is basically the same. It, it, it flow, they're playing favorites. Told you about that kid in youth group way, way, way back. Uh, one kid I really liked, one kid I didn't like so much. We're in the van, we're driving places. Oh, I'm thirsty, can we stop? And they're like, no, no, we can't stop. The other kid, hey, I'm getting thirsty. Well, we'll try to stop at the next exit. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I was treating one different than the other. We're not supposed to do that. Again, we hold people accountable, we're not doormats, all of that, but we're supposed to treat people fairly. And uh, you know, being on somebody's case because you just, they bug you, and it's not a right and wrong, they just bug you, and then somebody else, because they don't bug you, and they're doing the same kind of thing. So we act on our friendship, act on that commitment to be a friend. We decide on it, we act on it, and then we ought to follow through. And David is excellent at following through. Jonathan is excellent. They first of all, they keep their word. Read through 20, chapter 20. Jonathan keeps his word. I, I wonder, I just wonder, was there ever a moment where he might have said, hmm, my father's on my back. Maybe I should just turn David over. Um, that those things happen. But it doesn't. He keeps his word. He shows up. They have a plan so that uh, David will know. David's hiding. He shoots an arrow. Go farther. And that means that Saul is not, uh, you know, Saul is out to get David. And um, they, get, they talk about this, but he keeps his word. And years later, we'll see in another verse in a few seconds that uh, David keeps his word to Jonathan, um, even when it's not convenient. I love this proverb. Like a tooth that is rotten or a foot that is unsteady, so is relying on a person who can't be trusted in times of trouble. Ever had a bad tooth? And you're eating something really good and it's a little chewy or whatever and all of a sudden that food slides over to that section and it's like, whoo, ruined your meal. I've been dealing with my leg, you know. I, there are times where I, I still don't trust it. My Achilles tendon, it got ruptured in August and they say it's going to be till February till it gets better. I, I'm hoping it's February. And so when I'm, I'm, I feel like a, a, a more seasoned adult, when I'm putting on my shoes, I usually put my hand out rather than doing it with one leg down and one leg up in the air like this. I have to reach out just to keep myself a little steady because if I don't do that, there's a chance I could fall over. It stinks when you can't trust your foot. Some of you are experiencing that. You get relate to that, Shelly? <laughs> I can't resist. Oh, my. It's awful sad when you can't trust those that are close to you. And it doesn't mean there isn't forgiveness, but wow, does that hurt. 
think you can rely on them, and they are unreliable. Vice versa, are you a person that can be trusted? Can someone lean on you? Are you like that foot that is unsteady or that tooth that is bad? Because a person who can't be trusted in, in times of trouble is, is, a, is a bad place to be. So we keep our word, and everything doesn't need to be stated. What's right and what's honorable and all those kinds of things, that should be kind of an automatic. When you have close friends, you shouldn't have to have like a list. Well, this means I won't talk behind your back. This means I'll keep my mouth shut about some things you've shared with me. That, that should just be automatic. You're an adult. You, you know, you know what's right or wrong. And just even thinking about what I would want, do unto others as I'd have done unto myself, all those kinds of ideas. So we keep our word. And also with this, then we, we keep our friendship. We keep our friend long-term, long-term. And, I, and I, you know, there are situations, there's all exceptions to everything. But, but do you have some long-term friends? And if you don't, why might that be? Has that just been the situation of friendship, or is it something to do with you? You at least ought to stop and ask that. Why don't I keep friends? Why do, uh, do, do people stay close to me, or do they, do, they, do they get to know me and then they're gone? And sometimes that can be because they're not good friends, but sometimes that can be because we're not a good friend. And we see in 2 Samuel, we see this verse. This is David years later. Uh, he is now king. And he asks, is, there, is anyone from Saul's family still around that I could honor for the sake of my friend Jonathan? And if you know the story, they find Jonathan's son. Uh, Jonathan's son was disabled when they were running out of the palace. Uh, the person carrying him fell and, and wrecked his leg, legs and uh, he was a cripple, but he was still out there, and it dawns on David that this guy's out there. And then from then on, Jonathan's son eats at the king's table. Do you honor that? Have you agreed to some things that you haven't kept? Because you want to be an honorable friend. You want to keep your friend wonderful uh, and i'm sure you have a few of these but there's it's wonderful to know i have a few friends that would drop everything if there was an emergency and come out and help me but it's taken years to foster some of those friends uh, even if it costs them it costs them a couple days at work or whatever uh, they'd be willing to do that i'd be willing to do that for them you also find that when this is going on, when you keep these friends, you find that you're shielded by your friends. You're, you're protected. This passage in Ecclesiastes sometimes gets overstated, so we just kind of just breeze right through it, not thinking about what it says. But I love this. Two people are better than one. When two people work together, they get more work done. If one person falls, the other person can reach out for help. But those who are alone, when they fall, have no one to help them. That, that's, a, that's a sad place to be. And falling can 
look on just a you know lots of multiple things when you in a sense fall just someone you can call that would at least you know strengthen you would encourage you are you that kind of person could they call you even when they go off the rails even when they they've 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 you know alienated themselves from you how far do they have to annihilate themselves from you for you to not receive at least a phone call or a, a reach out? Now, now, there's sometimes we've talked about that out in Titus. I think it's 3.10. One a person wants, one a person sets upon, then have nothing to do with them. That sounds very harsh, but there are tos- toxic and unsafe people, so we're not talking about that, but uh, just, just drifting apart. You know, I heard of a friendship where they, they just kind of drifted apart. And after they drifted apart for a number of years, they just wouldn't reach out to each other until finally they did. And all of a sudden they realized, wow, we've lost all these years because we, we just kind of drifted apart and we never made that telephone call. Shielded by your friends. It's a great place to be. It's a, it's a, it's a safe place. We also have to remember that we're shaped by our friends. Positively and negatively we read be friends with those who are wise you will become wise choose fools to be your friends and you will have trouble i definitely have some friends that are higher up i would say on the food chain than me they're better thinkers they're better christ followers and i find the more time i with them the better my game gets it's like tennis i've told you that before you know my buddy played tennis with him and he could play tennis better than i could and so instead of shirking pulling back from that back i i leaned into it and i lost every game (laughs) but i at least learned how to play tennis better it's great to have people that can shape your lives in a positive way Ask ourselves, and again, that word uh, fools is not someone who doesn't have a lot of capacity. That word fool means somebody who knows what's right but does what's wrong. It's a moral kind of thing. So they choose to do wrong, and if they're your friends, you will have trouble because you'll start moving in the same direction as they. The trick, probably don't want to say trick, but the idea here, and you'll see this as this, this pans out, is to be the kind of friend that influences them so you keep those folks as friends, but you shape them in a positive way. Not that they become your project. Nobody wants to be somebody's project, but they shape you shape them rather than uh, they shaping you because you will be shaped by your friends. I mean, if you see your friends, you see your future. Think about that. See your friends, see your future. Remember in college, there was a student that was a few years older than me, and I kind of like thought he was cool stuff. And uh, he, and this, this isn't to offend, well, it may be a little bit offending, but uh, you know, he had a radar detector. And I always thought I really couldn't have one, I wanted one. But the only reason I would have one is so I could drive faster and faster and not get caught. But it's probably, if, you know, I had one friend explain to me that it was just 
so in case there was like emergency vehicles up ahead and the thing would go off, I go, look, I have a trailer for you. But, but for me, Dave Spencer is just go, I can go faster. So if you ever see a radar detector in my car, you know I've gone off the rails. <laughs> and so he had one. And so I bought one because he had one. And I can remember I bought it on a weekend. I was going to see Cindy about a three-hour drive away. And I drove down on my little yellow Mustang and had that thing go on and got there and started joking with her that I bought one. And she didn't believe me. She didn't think I should have one. And I got to my car, and there it was. And she was not happy with me. And then I drove home, and my mother saw it and did not like it either. And so then I returned it. Such a wimp. I fought it back. I couldn't hold my ground or pressure. But that's because of my friends. See your friends, see your future. And that was probably a good, see, I can't even, I, I want one still. Every once in a while I go, can I get one that's kind of like hidden in my dashboard? One time I was getting, this is, this is a bonus. I was uh, getting, a, uh, getting remote start put in my car and I just happened to ask the guy, do you guys do radar detectors? This is just like the last five years. And uh, yeah, yeah, we do one. I go, wow, could you give me a price of what one would do for my car? And they came back and it was some like it was like four thousand dollars. It was like this thing that was like a starship, you know. It had all these sensors, and I said, I don't think I can have that. But anyway, if I could have hidden it, you know, and so we wouldn't know. But uh, anyway, um, we become this is not maybe a scientific uh, statement, but we become the average of our five closest friends, closest friends, comrades, soulmates. We will act like they act. So choose good friends on that inner circle. Who you hang out with. You want to be rowing in the same direction. You know, those days when the kids were young and we had a couple couple friends that, uh, you know, had young kids and we were all dealing with the same thing at the same time. That was just great time because we would talk about it and we tried to row in the same direction. Tried to impact each other's lives. Um, we're one friend away from shifting the direction of what's to come. One friend, one person that can shape your life can change the trajectory of your life. Seek those people out. Have them because they impact your life. And on the other side, try to be that friend to somebody else. Wouldn't it be fantastic if because somebody's a friend with you, they say yes to Christ, they keep saying yes to Christ, and their relationship with God blossoms because you had a hand in shaping their life. That is a great privilege and an honor. And God will give that to you if you want it. And if your desire matches up with the way you live your life. See your friends, see your future. We're only one friend away from shifting the direction of what's to come. Going along with this is this idea of supported by your friends. You see that back in the Ecclesiastes passage. So we, we need to be supported, encouraged, lifted up. I've talked about this before. I have certain friends that if I call and get off the phone with them, I just feel happy. They don't, they don't drain me. I don't even know what we talked about. There's just a 
a spirit of fun and joy and it's just great and when i'm low i'll reach out to one of those guys and i'll just talk to them and when i'm done i just feel good supported by your friends i hope i get this right bill but uh there's this idea that when you have two horses pulling one thing they can pull more so my theory is one horse can pull 10 pounds now that would be a joke the other horse can pull 10 pounds, but together they can pull 30 pounds. See, this is what's going on here. This is Bill with his horses. How much weight is that, Bill? 6,500 pounds. Look at him go. Is that you in the background with those shorts, with the black socks? Oh, I was just going to say, not very cool to wear black socks like that up there with, with boots. But anyway, that's another story. All right, just kidding. Fashioned from Dave Spencer. No, not really. Same thing is true with geese. You see them forming these Vs, and we're told that in a V formation, the whole flock adds at least 71% more flying range than if the birds flew alone. Imagine that with your relationships, where you want to go, what you want to be, how you want to grow as a person. If you travel with other people, you go farther. It's more complete, better. Supported by your friends, then the Lord God said, I see that it is not good for man to be alone. I will make the companion he needs just one just right for him. And when most of us think of this, this is about marriage. But the idea when I do a wedding is that it's not good for anybody to be alone. And that also applies to your relationship with God. It's not good to be alone in your life and not have a relationship with God. And so marriage isn't for everybody. But having a relationship with God is offered to everybody. And why isolate yourself from the ultimate friend? Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. I have to be honest with you. There's been times where I'm going to buy something, and I kind of know I shouldn't buy it. And when I spend time with the Lord, because I still, I still read the Bible, but I don't let it touch my heart. I want to isolate myself. I don't want the spirit leading me. I'm sure you never do that. You never back off. Something's going on in your life, and, and you don't you know, listen to something. You don't go to church. You don't do whatever. Uh, you pull back. But when we isolate ourselves, you know, it, it, just, it, just, it causes a breakdown in sound judgment. So last week's uh, bottom line, we have one more idea to get through, but uh, this idea is you need to be a friend to have a friend. And we're going to see that Jesus, and we're going to celebrate communion, his walk with us, the fact that we can be connected with him, be connected with God. So to be a friend to have a friend, we see that there is an empowering your commitment of friendship. Because I'm going to tell you, you can't be the best friend you can be if you're not empowered by God in your life. 
Cindy and I figuring out how to be parents. I was talking about this to somebody this week. And one of those nights where all three girls are sick and they're throwing up everywhere and we're on to the third set of bed clothes. We keep putting them in the washer machine and there was a bunk bed and one was, ugh, it was just gross. You can only imagine. And, uh, you know, and Cindy and I are trying to work together. It's 2.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, and we are just not happy. Lots of opportunities to get irritated with each other. We're not the enemies. We're trying to deal with this. And in those moments, I needed Jesus. I'm sure she needed Jesus more because of the way I was acting. Needed Jesus, needed to be empowered in our commitment to friendship. Crawford Levitz, a really nice author, speaker, says this, how can you be this kind of friend? You must be overwhelmed with the friendship of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his own life, his own sword, his own robe, so that you could be saved. In doing so, he'll transform you. And you can be the kind of friend you need to be. And it's interesting, you remember, Jonathan gave David earlier on his robe, his sword, acknowledging that David would be the next king. Amazing that he did that. Jesus gives himself to us. And this may sound arrogant. If you haven't said yes to Christ yet or still thinking about it, you can say, well, I'm a great friend. And you probably are. But Having God a part of you, being overwhelmed with the friendship of Jesus will make you an excellent off-the-chart friend. Jesus' friendship enables you to be a committed friend. Again, you love God, you have friendship with God through Christ, Jesus, and then you are the best friend you can be. You celebrate our friendship, if you obey this command. This is Jesus. I don't call you servants any longer. Servants do not know what the master is doing. But I've told you everything the Father has told me. I call you friends. You have unbelievable access to information, leading, all of that, because you have Jesus in your life. You are not limited you have it all. It's there at your fingertips. This week I was reading another book, and we were reading, and it said, uh, you know, sometimes we as Christians, Christ followers, talk about being half-hearted, but there was also this idea of being half-minded. And the idea was that if you're, we all get after half-hearted, but being half-minded is just as bad as being half-hearted. You need to be engaged. You need to be thinking. And we have all the information all the ideas and the concepts are at the fingertips of your soul on how to live as a Christ follower and how to be the best friend possible. The friend, the Holy Spirit, will make everything plain to you. He'll remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. This is my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way the world does or the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned. The Spirit is with us. And Jesus' friendship also remains when friends disappoint. There are going to be times when your friends disappoint you. 
David writes, even my best friend, the one I always told everything, he ate meals at my house all the time, has bitten my hand. Has that ever happened to you? Bitten my hand. Jesus' friendship remains. Jesus' friendship helps see you through. Paul writing this, at first there was no one I could count on to faithfully stand with me. He's in court. He's being, he's being uh, you know, in defending the faith. They all ran off and abandoned me. But don't hold this against them. For in spite of all this, my Lord himself stood with me, empowering me. You can be empowered to be the best friend possible. So when you and I say yes to the friend, to the Jesus, to God, to the Father, to the Holy Spirit, when we say yes to the friend, we're actually saying yes to friendship. Say yes to the friend, to say yes to friendship. That is the game changer, the friendship changer. If you want to be the best friend you can be, if you want to handle difficult relationships and friendships, you have to say yes time and time again. It's just not starting that relationship with Christ. It's saying yes to him daily, hourly, sometimes moments. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you have said yes to you, us. You want us to be your friend. You offer your son so it's possible. You give us your spirit so we can walk with you. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We're thankful that we have a friend that never leaves. We thank you that that affects everything. And Father, I would just ask this morning as we think about communion, we think about the gift of your son, gift of relationship, that you would help anyone in here that has never said yes to you, never said, I want you in my life. I, I want forgiveness for my sins. I want to turn from it. I, I, I want the spirit in my life. I need you. I believe in uh, your death, burial, and resurrection and what that means for me, that uh, if that person is here, that today would be the day they say yes. And then for those of us who have said yes to you, would we regularly daily and sometimes hourly and sometimes moment by moment say yes to you so we can experience friendship with you to the fullest degree and we can be the best friend we can to those around us we thank you in jesus wonderful name